fans, welcome back to Selling the Scream, a show about horror movies brought to you by one horror nerd and one horror noob. I'm Jed Donaldson, the aforementioned noob, uh, so that just leaves our nerd, um, and you know, if you've listened to the show before, you know who he is, long longtime friend and co-host, uh, but what you may not know is that those that are closest to him just call him Doc. So, uh, you know, what's up, Doc? <laughs> I look like a Doc. You do uh, look like a Doc. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fairly well. How are you? I don't know. I could complain, but that won't help anyone, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, uh, this this week uh, I got to go and see a, a concert for the first time in, like, forever and have like kind of a lovely day so i'm uh you know i in a, in a in a pretty good mood um got to have like, this week everyone in my family got to have a COVID test then slide whistle whoop. uh no that, that that sucks man i i know you kind of confirmed off air that it came back negative and not to worry on that aspect of it but if everybody being sick and yeah everyone <laughs> we're, all, we're all negative everyone came back and is fine and we were all Pretty sure that, that was going to be the case to begin with. Uh, last weekend, my wife came down with a, a cold. Um, shortly thereafter, my oldest son, followed by my youngest son, followed by me. Uh, and both of my kids actually had to miss a couple days of school. They were uh, My oldest son was sent home because he coughed in class. <laughs> I'm sure any, any more that's like like a gunshot going off. I mean, that's also maybe... It was, I mean, it wasn't just like a clearing his throat sort of thing. He he coughed, and then he coughed again, and then he coughed again, and the teacher's like, yeah, you want to drink some water? And he drinks some water, and he's still coughing. They're like, oh, maybe you go to the nurse's office. Yeah, yeah. And the nurse said, you should go home and get a doctor's appointment and have that looked at, <laughs> which is fine. So we, we had to <laughs> last-minute schedule two doctor's appointments back-to-back on separate days. I took my... Oldest son on Wednesday and my youngest son on Thursday. Jesus. Yeah, I guess I should clarify that the, the concert I went to was all like outdoor and proof of vax and cards and all that stuff. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys are, are, are doing OK. You're feeling better. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> maybe a bad contrast. Like, oh, everybody here, we had COVID scares. Oh, me? I was out in a, <laughs> out in a public event with a lot of people. As long as, as long as you're being responsible and safe, that's I have no problem with people going out and living their lives right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky uh, needle to thread that, that I'm sort of finding. Like, I, I I need to do stuff, and I'm I was responsible. I right. uh, yeah, like uh, would I want to go down to a show at like say uh, the local venue here, Bogarts? No, I, I wouldn't want to do that right now. <laughs> oh man, Bogarts, that's a lot of gore shows there, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the first time I ever had a man jizz on me. <laughs> From 40 feet away. Um, probably listeners who might be confused might want to, to look into the band Guar. Or don't. The, the Just let that sit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, oh man, I was about to ask, do we talk about Guar here? But I, I, I almost think maybe Phallus in Wonderland deserves a, a revisit at some point. Maybe, show, maybe we so do maybe... like a special episode or something. <laughs> I don't know if I don't we'll go full length on it, but. <laughs> but do we talk about Guar on this episode of this show? On, on this episode, we do not talk about Guar. What we do talk about is horror movies. 
specifically ones that uh, my friend Doc here has picked out in an attempt to turn me into a fan of the genre. Uh, he's got a list. It's curated. It's been mostly good. Uh, today we've got probably one of the biggest names that we've done so far. I, w- I would say it's that's probably safe to say. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh it's up there. <laughs> yeah, we've uh we're gonna hitting Stephen King again. We're gonna do The Shining this time. Yeah, Steph Timber rolls on. I've, uh, I've, I've we're gonna go with that, that huh? That's <laughs> that's the one that's sticking. <laughs> um. Yeah, and uh, we are diving into the the second feature film uh, made from a, a Stephen King work, um, helmed by maybe somebody that makes one of the, the top director lists of, of all time on most top ten lists out there, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Um, but we're gonna do uh, what we did with Psycho. We're just gonna we're just gonna shut the book on this one. We're gonna. Uh, all discussion wraps up here. We give it the selling the scream uh, treatment, and and nobody's allowed to have a take about it anymore. No, I think I think that's fair. Uh, by the end of this show, there will be nothing else to discuss about this movie. Yep, I'll I'll uh, I'll sealed away. <laughs> All done. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so Kubrick. <laughs> um, I know you you've seen some of his stuff. What do you know? Like what what have you seen of of, of Stanley Kubrick's before? For certain, I have seen two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, I believe we watched that in school at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's uh um, and that's that's again speaking of like top ten lists, that's usually you know top ten film of all time discussion. It's 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 always there. Um. I, I appreciate it. It is a film I find fairly boring for the most part until the very I, end of the movie. I also found it fairly boring. <laughs> um, beautiful visuals. I've never seen it like in a, in a 60s state of mind. So maybe that's part of the appeal and part of the charm. But um, I a lot of his other stuff I, I do find kind of worthy of, of that praise. And I, I, I certainly recognize the like, technical achievements and the just how ahead of its time 2001 was, but I, I've always been more of a, a Dr. Strange love clockwork orange guy. Right. Full metal oh, jacket. I have, I have seen, I have seen uh clockwork orange and full metal jacket. Yeah. There Oddly go. enough, I've never seen Dr. Strange love. Oh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. That's uh, I, I heartily recommend most of his filmography. I think even though I find 2001 fairly boring, I still think it's a movie that if you want, if you care about movies at all, you probably should see it's, it's like, (laughs) you probably should just watch that one. Um, But he has this reputation of kind of, especially after like Dr. Strange love in 2001 um, making like, the definitive movie on something like this is, this isn't just a black comedy. This is like the black comedy. This is like the dystopian science fiction movie, the hopeful. It's like, it's this statement almost like that, you know, that you think of like the great American novel. He's like the great American filmmaker. This guy who's like, so he is is to film as we are to podcasts. Yeah. That's, that's a good reference point. Too. Um, but 
he had talked for for a couple of years about wanting to do like the ultimate horror movie. And and at this stage in his career, he's mostly adapting stuff. He's not really he. I think he brings a lot of his own stuff to a movie, um, but he's not he's not usually the one writing it or adapting it. He's he's kind of looking for that um, that inspiration for something from something else. So he decides he's going to do it. He starts reading novel after novel. Um, and his secretary describes it as just she would continuously hear the books he was trying to f- look at to find his story hitting the trash can um, until one day he was brought in Stephen King's The Shining and a couple days went by without that the sound of a book hitting the trash can. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he... he was not kind about it when he decided he wanted, he basically says, I I think I see something there I can work with. Um, So he, he liked the meat, (laughs) but maybe the preparation wasn't his favorite. (laughs) Yeah. And, and this kind of leads into like one of the things that the shining is, is most famous for uh, is that Stephen King fucking hates it. (laughs) He hates it so much. (laughs) Um, So, uh, I, I think something why? else is kind why, of why does he hate it so much? It was just because it's it's not what he wrote, or is it? <laughs> it's a it's a very personal book for him. It is. Um, so Stephen King writes this right in the wake of his, his kind of initial success. Like he's still not like a millionaire yet, but like word of mouth on Carrie and Salem's Lot's kind of taking off a little bit, and he's able okay. to pay off some bills and maybe travel. Um. He wants to set his next book outside of Maine. He's looking for inspiration. He wants kind of something that's not, he wants to keep writing horror, um, but he he wants to look somewhere else for inspiration. So does like the, the uh, dartboard approach and just apparently points at a random spot on a U.S. map and settles on um, Estes Park near, near Boulder, Colorado. Um, so he and his family go and stay at the Stanley. Um, Stephen King, much like myself, as discussed in a prior episode, apparently terrible at, at trip prep. <laughs> so they get there and it's the end of the season and they don't have a, they don't have a winter season there. So it's everybody's closing up shop <laughs> and they're the <laughs> only ones there. Um, so this gets, this gets the old noggin turning and he's struggling with his own addiction. He's struggling about with feelings of animosity towards his own children, which has kind of been we'll get into in the movie itself because i think his his own relation with that kind of is a little nebulous too where he kind of has spoken at certain points about like not physically touching his children and then like later on saying like oh i haven't like struck them in a while but i you know generation generational thing i'm not like passing whatever it's just it's something he's kind of internally struggling with and I think, I, I, you know, and I don't think that's an uncommon thing for parents, too, where you you love them so much, but sometimes. <laughs> you just want to. No, I understand. Yeah, it's, it's um, <laughs> you just want them, you just want them to, to do it right. <laughs> um, so I, this is one I have not read the book, but I know. I know a lot of the differences just because Stephen King has talked about them. Um, and they also did a remake um, 
a TV version that Stephen King had way closer um, supervision over. It starred um, Stephen Weber from from Wings as uh, as Jack Torrance. Um, that miniseries mostly unwatchable. It's it's it is pretty bad. <laughs> so, um, Maybe I'm just remembering it coming out, but I have like little flashes of memory around that that particular version yeah i don't think yeah. I, wa- I don't think i watched it but like i don't know maybe like pieces of it from commercials stuck in my head or something so a lot of the changes that get made um are, are things that stephen king finds really kind of personally offensive first of all he's like he's completely cut out of the process so far when he's worked with like toby hooper and worked with uh De palma like there was a pretty open relationship like on set. They would, they would kind of talk through things that they were going to change with them. Right. Well, you would Um, think that if you're, if you're adapting another creative person's work that you would want their input on, you know, what they were thinking when they wrote this, is there a a way to jigger this around? (laughs) You think you would want that sort of input. Apparently like Kubrick met King once and was just like, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 and hired somebody else to do the adaptation. He didn't have any sort of say in it. Um, and kind of principle is that the character of Jack Torrance, who Stephen King feels a very deep personal connection with, was changed from this flawed but loving family man um, into Jack fucking Nicholson, <laughs> who is batshit insane from frame one. <laughs> Like, that is his number one complaint with this movie. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if he's that batshit from frame one, but it does not take long for you to realize, oh, this guy's just a little off. <laughs> yeah, but he's also like, even when he's in these initial opening scenes where he's accepting the job and stuff, like, he still carries the weight of being Jack Nicholson with him. He still right. made one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Think, he still looks maybe, like the devil. Right. I think <laughs> <laughs> those eyebrows, man. I think maybe at the, um, I think maybe I even felt a little bit of that kind of awkwardness. And it felt like he didn't, belong in the movie that he was in like that that him as an actor like knowing you know kind of his persona yeah. and like everything that goes into jack nicholson didn't feel like it worked at the beginning of the film like it, <laughs> it felt like they were trying to shove him into this box that wasn't him uh, yeah it, feel, it feels like just unnatural and i i don't that's yes that's a better way yeah, but I, I also don't – I think that's what Kubrick is – I mean, I, 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 I'll expound on this a little bit more later, but I think that's what Kubrick is going for in some well, ways. I think, I think that I like it. I just – it was yeah. noticeable to me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the other – one of the other principal things is that Wendy was way more um, – a, a much more forceful character in the book. Um, she's – I, and again, I, I I have a segment here labeled a defense of Shelley Duvall's performance as Wendy, because I, I, I think that case kind of needs to be made because she was nominated for a Razzie for this. People just ripped on her when this came out and people still will say that that this performance gets on their nerves and they like do not like her in this. Um, I think I think this movie is not the same movie and doesn't work half as well without 
what she gives. Um, okay. And, I, and I'll be interested <laughs> here because I, I will say that while I do not think that it's like offensively bad, I do not think that it's on the same level as even what the child is bringing to the table. Yeah. I, I think she's just doing something very different. And, and, okay. and I think a, a place we can go to too, is that there's, there's so many fucking rabbit holes. This movie. I, I apologize if, if this just ends up going long, uh, is that just what a monster Kubrick was in a lot of ways with, with her in particular. Um, yeah, I've, I've read a little bit about this. Yeah, he was just um, he he had this reputation not just from her. He has he, he's known for um, being ex, ex, very demanding, taking as many takes as he feels are necessary. Sometimes like 140 takes for something that like doesn't make the movie. Um, and he considers like the first dozen or so takes to be part of the rehearsal. <laughs> um, which I mean, that's a way to work. <laughs> yeah, but he was he was very cruel to her in particular, um, right. just breaking her down into tears like very frequently. He made her do the um, the scene with the baseball bat. Um, I, I, I want to say nearly a hundred times. Um, and I I, I think I, it, it's a weird moral area. I think in some ways because it's like is there's that conversation about like is great art worth suffering or being made like made in this controlling art tourish way and or could you get that same performance by just letting an actor act <laughs> like um I, I don't know i feel like and i'm not going I, I don't i'm not trying to invite a huge conversation on this topic yeah, yeah. my my initial take is it is absolutely absolutely a place that great art can come from if you're you know like tormenting yourself <laughs> i feel yeah. like you're doing something differently if you're making someone else go through that and they're not on board with it yeah it'd be, it'd be one thing like he's he, a lot of actors will sing his praises though because they'll say things like yeah he breaks you on the movie but you never work with anybody like him like it's, it's not because he's the, the impression I get from the people who do like that style is that he's not, they didn't find him to be as cruel as Shelley Duvall did and what people on the set said it was, but I also think sure. he was going for this performance. So it was it, intentional in that way, but right. that trying to get her there. Yeah. But that he was also somebody who, if you wanted to talk through something, he would, he would stay as late as it took to talk through it with you and, and people like he was very committed to it. <laughs> um, it was not cruelty just to be cruel, at least in his eyes. Um, right. There was like, there was a method to the madness, but I, I still, it's, it's hard to get behind. Yeah. And that's why that's kind of what, where those lines get drawn is, is sort of a, a tricky wicket, but um, a lot of, so the, the, the last thing we probably need to address, like wrapping this back into why Stephen King hates the fucking shining is that um, the, the ghosts and the supernatural things are much more in the forefront of, of the, um, of the book. Um, there's, there's way more backstory about the, the ghosts and there's not really, there's an argument to be made in the shining that most of the supernatural things are things that the characters are just perceiving um, sure. as opposed to like, 
real ghosts that are like real spirits manipulating this plane. Um, right. I, th- I mean, uh, they talk about that when um, <laughs> Scatman Crothers is talking to Danny about, you know, how <laughs> the house shines and people who shine can see it, too. Yeah, that it's it pictures in a book. That's the that's that's kind of the, the phrase. But like, um, so Stephen King just didn't like a lot of that stuff because like the in, in his book, instead of there being a hedge maze, there's the um, there were topiary animals that came to life and were like chasing them around. And um, the book ends with uh, basically like Jack coming to and like gaining control of himself again and saving his family. The, so is, the movie does not. <laughs> is the book good? I, I, I haven't read it. I, it's, it's, I know the most of what I know about it is just because I love this movie so much that I consume a lot of content about this movie. When uh, you started talking about it, like it sounded like, oh, I want to, I want to read the book because I want to know more about the, you know, the background and all the what's going yeah. on. Um, I, but I think they're, just, they're, they're, I think they're just very different creatives. I think yeah. that. Stephen King is much more interested in kind of the internal lives of his characters and and really just more of a character guy and really into kind of like the, the the horror twist to it. Like what he wants that to be unique and fun and interesting. Stanley Kubrick wants to make a a statement about the nature of man and he does not (laughs) um, have time for this, the, sympathy that king will give his characters <laughs> um he, he wants to make something profound he was again the horror movie he wants right. this to be if anybody is discussing horror in the past in, in the future they are going to have to discuss the shining that's what he's going for <laughs> like, I, I think i think he succeeds i, I think say, he succeeds i, I think he kind of hit that mark here <laughs> <laughs> and part of it um uh, is that he passed on the exorcist and the exorcist made half a billion dollars <laughs> So this is a this is a, a spite movie. <laughs> oh, the, the, I I find that to be a wonderful creative inspiration. <laughs> um, um, so I I maybe want to just touch first because there's there's more stuff like side tangents I want to go down and stuff. But this is a movie because I I, I want to get your point of view on this. We talked in the Carrie episode about like cultural os- osmosis and just. There's a there's a very famous Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episode based on The Shining. There's right. uh, and I found myself while watching it going, wow, they really they really kind of covered a lot of it in that episode. <laughs> I, I think the one that I sort of forgot about until I was you know starting to rewatch again for this one, um, because I had watched the Treehouse of Horror one fairly recently, uh-huh. was um, the bit where Homer's like chopping down all the different doors and he keeps like. He has like a different one liner for each one because yeah. there's nobody behind the door. Yeah. Um, I'd kind of forgotten that there's sort of that in this when Jack Nicholson's chopping. He goes through two doors and yeah, he's got like not, three door one liners. Yeah. Yeah. There were several things like um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the Simpsons episode, but there were several times where I was like, that's that little tiny bit of this movie. It wasn't even like a big thing was translated into the Simpsons episode. It's just, yeah. I mean, the Simpsons, I, I guess they're great, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. If you've never watched the show, <laughs> big plug for the Simpsons here. <laughs> they're that bump now. <laughs> they deserve it. 
Um, I think, but I, I think this is a movie that that has even people who hate horror and ne- would never watch this movie. They have some awareness of like the the hotel, the Jack, crazed Jack Nicholson, maybe the twins, maybe yes. maybe Red Rum, yep. the maze, um, the carpet pattern, which you know mm-hmm. I, I, I fucking love the carpet pattern. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's there's quite a bit of this movie that is knocking around in my head before I'd even seen it. Um, yeah. So but there was, uh, there was stuff in here also that was not up there already. So I, you know, I kind of, we, we talked a little bit through this again, like kind of mirroring the, the, the carry episode, which there's a lot of fucking mirroring in this movie. Yeah. Um, like what, what were those things? What were the, what were some of the things that like kind of surprised you a little bit coming to this? thing that you thought you kind of knew <laughs> um well, i kind of knew about danny's little friend tommy with the finger talking tony tony yeah, yeah sorry um well, i thought you would identify with that because you also have a little boy that lives in your mouth well i mean all of us do right <laughs> Um, is that still okay to do? Or can we still like call our casually accuse our friends of pedophilia? Is that like, have, has Obama taken that away from us? <laughs> yeah, it probably was Obama. That's sounds right. <laughs> Nothing um, good came from that presidency. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Tony. So, um, what kind of, you said you had some vague awareness of that, but. Yeah. Like I, I knew like he had an imaginary friend, but I didn't realize how kind of, um, pervasive that would be throughout the show yeah yeah it's um in in the book i guess it's um confirmed that tony is kind of like an inner part of him that's like the part that's started starting to kind of explore the power that he has um, yeah the, that was more questions that i had like when i was saying that i want to i want to know more about the story he's having the conversation with uh dick halloran and he's Dick is asking, like, does almost like Tony's an outside force? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Wonder if there was something like that going on. <laughs> well, I think I think he's he's trying to figure it out too, because I don't yeah. think um, I don't think Dick Halloran has he can shine, but I don't think he's like Danny is. I think he's like they make something... it they make it clear that Danny is kind of something special. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very powerful. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, I, the, the like the shining stuff did that did that stuff kind of work for you? The whole like um, how they handled kind of that psychic component in this movie? Yes, I think I think so. Um, I uh, I, I love the related song. to it. I'll say like the the sound design. Oh yes, unreal <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> we we both went to the same place. That 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 like keening. Yeah sound when they when he's when they're connecting and kind of all the rest of the sound drowning out yeah um it's pretty like pretty great. cutting through the static <laughs> um and kind of the, the visions and it's like flashing uh, again kind of the cultural osmosis stuff in this movie i think most people know the elevators of blood mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 bloody elevators the the twins yeah um i, I didn't realize uh that there was going to be like a whole 1920s party going on in the ballroom. 
<laughs> I also I seen the the key, key and peel skit the Continental, but I didn't realize how directly <laughs> that is lifting from this movie. Yeah, yeah, he's uh the, the peel war is a horror fandom on his sleeve on, in that shit too. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean <laughs> I know that now. Um, so my kind of like weird experience with with the shining too um i i was planning I, I did not get a chance to make the trip up um before this episode started recording but um the exterior of uh the overlook is the timberline lodge which is like a 40 minute drive for me um oh shit so i i need to go out there um yeah i I've, yeah, I've, I've already <laughs> i've already unwittingly was in one of the places that was not most of this movies on a set, but they, they basically rebuilt very accurately several things from these big, like, um, like Western hotels. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of them was the, is the Awani, uh, that, which is the hotel that's in like the kind of luxury hotel that's inside of Yosemite. And I went up with, um, people like my, my ex-wife and her family, every time they went to Yosemite, they would like go get a fancy breakfast there. And I like go get the breakfast and then I wander down and, and they don't know about the shining. So they didn't prepare me to walk into the Colorado lounge. I just like oh. walk in and I'm like looking around like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be a fucking trip. <laughs> you turn a corner like, what is happening? What is happening right now? But um, I'm curious if you noticed, so one of the big things with this movie, uh, maybe more than any other movie in the cottage industry of like cranks latching either conspiracies or meanings onto it or um, having takes or Easter eggs or whatever, this movie is replete with that. They made a whole documentary about it. It's called Room 237. Really recommend seeing it if you haven't, because it's really it's less about The Shining, even though it has really interesting things to say about The Shining, sure. um, and more about what shit people project onto it because it like okay. it disquiets them so much, and they have to like they have to assign like some sort of texture or meaning to it. Um, but, you know, I I didn't get a chance to watch that before we recorded, but I think I definitely will try to set some side time aside and check that out sometime it's, this week. It's really good because the there are some that are fairly plausible. There are some things that are like, here's how Kubrick makes you feel uneasy. And, and this is what we think he's kind of trying to achieve by doing that. Um, and then there are other people who project things onto it. Like, Oh no, this is, this is about how he faked the moon landing. Um, or this is, <laughs> this is about how um, the whole movie is about the Holocaust or like the death of the uh, native Americans. So this or, is basically like someone took a Reddit thread and used it as a script. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like it's it's like academics going down this rabbit. There's a guy on YouTube who's who's kind of brilliant, but also like a, a maybe insane person um, who does this thing called decoding The Shining, um, where he logs every uh, every piece of media that's in The Shining. Like when when they first show like Wendy and Jack's apartment, and she's got all those books on the shelf. Uh huh. He he cataloged what all those books are <laughs> um so that's some fucking da vinci code shit <laughs> this movie like inspires that in people because i think it's it's so 
texturally rich and it fucks with you constantly. Um, so I'm curious if you noticed any of the stuff, any of these inconsistencies, because Kubrick is famous for not for his attention to detail and, and he sits in the editing bay. And if there's a continuity error or if there's like a, a shadow of a boom mic somewhere, it is not getting by Kubrick. He takes 148 takes for a reason. Um, right. So you're, you're saying that anything that is presented on the screen that I'm watching right now is supposed to be there and has a reason for being there. Or, and I think the other thing that, that sometimes get, gets lost in this is that he's still a human being and there are still like aesthetic choices or things that he just, they might just have missed. Um, but it's, it's so intentional for somebody who does this all the time that right. at least some of this stuff is very intentional. And he also like was very into subliminal messaging around the time when he made this movie. Okay. Um, so like, did you notice when Jack first gets to the hotel with his family for the second, not the interview, but the second time, He's mm-hmm. sitting in, in the lounge reading a Playgirl magazine. I did not notice that. <laughs> <laughs> There's stuff like that throughout the whole movie. There's stuff like um, Wendy's checking on the boilers and there's just like hardcore porn pinned up on the walls. And she does, she's not reacting to it. And the audience doesn't really react to it. It's not, it's not focused on, but right. it's there. It's just there. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't notice that either. Yeah, and there's there's stuff that's like um, uh, the when they go into the 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 freezer and uh, Dick Holleran showing them all the all the meats that are there and uh, they never have to have the same dinner or whatever. When they walk in and when they walk out, the camera's in the same place, but what's behind them is completely different. It's like it's like a long hallway and then it's like leads right to an office. <laughs> it's all right. Uh... I mean, if this is your way of trying to get me to admit that I didn't actually watch this movie. <laughs> I don't want to talk about all of them, because if you want to watch Room 237, and they will talk through, like, a ton of these. But I, what I want to talk a little bit about is just how he's... I Did you experience the... Like, even coming in with all your cultural baggage and knowing what it was... Did this movie disquiet you at all? Did this movie feel, did you feel a sense of dread <laughs> throughout this movie? Because it still hits me 30 viewings in. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say for sure. I will say that I definitely felt like the, uh, like, I, like I said, the sound design and the music and stuff was definitely, from for the from the word go, working hard to instill that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the sound design gets a jump scare out of a title card drop. Fucking yeah. Tuesday gets a ju- gets a jump scare. <laughs> so I that you know, I was talking about the title cards too. I I, I did like how um, over the course of the movie they went from really like big to really small. Like you start off with uh, you know it's it's this year, this month, then it's this day, then it's this hour, then it's this minutes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it, it gives it, it picks up that urgency and um, but I I think this movie is just kind of a sustained mood. I think from from the drop um, that yeah. the the Wendy Carlos um, version of Dias Irae that that plays as the helicopter zooming in and following up to the job interview. Yeah, like 
it, it comes in hard. <laughs> Even the title sequence is like, oh, there's something wrong here. There's something real wrong here. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I was not. We've had this conversation several times throughout the show. Um, yeah. I was not scared during this movie. Okay. Okay. Um, but I don't think that this movie was necessarily going for that particular emotion. Um, but there were, I mean, yeah, it, there's there's stuff going on that is like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> um, so, you know, I think we've kind of talked around it a little bit. And I don't want to, like, spend a lot of time in the weeds. But how, how does just the central story of this work that for you like they just the kind of how it moves from point a to point b like do you um does just kind of the narrative structure do you like it, was there stuff there that you kind of bought into as was this a story that um pulled you along well enough i guess <laughs> yeah i think so um i i will say that you know there have been times in the past and this is this is a longer movie this is one of the longer ones we've done yeah about three hours yeah, where I I felt like oh, this really could have used some editing, which I don't think anyone can accuse Stanley Kubrick of not editing, right? Yeah. Um, I never, I was never really bored. Like there, I was, I checked the time because like, how this is still like, I feel like yeah. we're coming up on an end. Are we coming up on an end though? And, and there was still like an hour left. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I I wasn't bored. Uh, the I was invested. It didn't lose me at any point in time. Um, so yeah, I would say that the the story did its yeah. job of, of pulling me through. I so I, I'll, I'll do what maybe we start should start doing like up top, you know, as we're realizing this about forty two episodes in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe should say like there might have been some light spoilers up up to this point. Uh, this is a full spoiler podcast, so. Um, as far as like the story, like they, they so you have the, it's this idea of um, a guy. He's, he's a writer. Um, he's he's formerly a school teacher. Did um, got fired from his job. Uh, applies at the Overlook Hotel. There's there's an established history of domestic violence with him. Um, that's and kind like of alcoholism. Run, yeah, yeah. Um, while he's interviewing there for the caretaker position, um, he's he's told the story of Delbert Grady, or actually uh, was it Charles Grady, because it things don't match up in this movie. Right. Um, it's another thing. Um, Charles Grady, who killed his with his axe, uh, his his wife and his daughters before blasting his own head off with a shotgun. Uh, daughters aged eight and ten, not twins. Um, so again, another thing that sort of this movie doesn't really it's telling you kind of upfront. It's not following the rules it's giving you. <laughs> it's um, right. It's, it's a very unreliable movie in a lot of ways, um, which again leads into all these wild conspiracy theories that come spiraling out of it. Um, but he brings his family up there and they're given a, a, a tour of the grounds, which include a, a maze, uh, you know, giant kitchen and, this, their 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 job sounds like just it's upkeep and right. Jack's that's Wendy Jack and uh, their son Danny who Danny. is established as having some sort of psychic ability um, 
which is later named by the the cook that he meets that kind of turns into a, a mentor for him dick halloran as the ability to shine um and to pick up on things that shine um specifically um they they settle in and then we get a one month time jump and pretty much right from go here um it sounds like they're having a good time and then uh wendy makes a sort of uh maybe milk toast uh small talky type statement about uh the only thing about writing is you just got to do it every day right and this 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 from this moment on Jack Nicholson wants to kill these people. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, his, his fucking anger at this advice being leveled back at him. Right. Yeah. Um, um, I, I wanted, I mean, I understand that, you know, there was another influence or at least we were led to believe there's another influence in the hotel, you know, kind of yeah. pushing him along this path. But uh, he says some stuff. <laughs> I don't understand like where his anger comes from. I, I think his anger comes from just being, being a, a, failure. A, a resentful failure. Yeah. He's just, he's um, somebody who thought that this, this time he would take would unlock this great thing inside of him. And it doesn't. And he's resentful about his lot in life and he's uh, lashing out at anyone. And these are the only people there. Yeah. And he, and this is not, the first time I think even in the book, I think he beats the shit out of a, like a student at the school and that's why he's fired. Um, again, some more inconsistencies here. Um, I, I, I adore this, the, the scene with Wendy explaining to the doctor who comes to their house, mm-hmm. how Danny has been hurt before and it kind of coming out and she's smoking and mm-hmm. the ash on the cigarette is just like, <laughs> it gets huge real quick. I didn't know. <laughs> burning down to the nub and she's like, she's shaking and she's telling she, she's feeding this doctor bullshit. She's right. like, Oh, this, it was an accident that anything, you know, it's, it's, it could happen. Could to happen anyone, to anyone. Just those things. And um, again, an, another like inconsistency here where he, he, so he's hurt Danny in the past. Um, but then she's like, Oh, but then he told me I'm never going to drink a drop again. And you know, he's been, he's been sober now. He's been sober for five months. The incident happened uh, two years ago. So <laughs> there's a gap there. <laughs> um, so we don't, we, there's a lot of implication that the cycle of abuse is not really uh, something that's a one-off thing or has been that dormant. Maybe <laughs> Right. They, they call out like this, this particular instance. Um, and kind of frame it as like, well, this is this is the one time it happened, but you can sort of infer and read between the lines that probably not the case. Yeah, and and part of my my defense of Shelley Duvall's performance is that I think she she is playing somebody who is a very anxious and rattled person already. She's and I don't I don't think that's a people are like, oh, she's like she's such a wimp and she's just olive oil, and it's like, no, they're she's playing a person like a person I've met before. Like I've, I've yeah, met she's, she's shook. She she's walking on eggshells cause she doesn't know what's going to set this guy off. And she's, she's a very like interior person and she's meek and she doesn't have a lot of self-esteem. Um, and she's kind of attached on, she's in this codependent violent relationship with 
with her husband. And it's just, I think it's a, it's a really good portrayal of that. Like all, like her entire performance is her like walking on eggshells until the end. She's just like losing her shit. Um, mm-hmm. But for the people who think she's, a, she's a weak character, um, what's the body count in this movie? <laughs> How many people does Jack end up killing? It's, it's certainly not Wendy or Danny. Um, yeah. <laughs> he gets one. And also, also, like, who's doing all the fucking work at the Overlook Hotel? Do yeah. you ever see Jack do anything other Jack. than sit in the room? Jack does nothing but have uh, have Wendy bring him breakfast and sleep until <laughs> noon. Fuck ghosts. That's like... <laughs> Start to, at least. <laughs> um, so, right away, uh, this the things get elevated um and danny is also starting to see some of these things that dick holleran has told him he's picked up that danny's afraid of this place and there's something wrong and there's a room 237 and dick holleran keeps like kind of trying to just pass off his fears but as soon as room 237 gets brought up it's like you don't need to go in there <laughs> this is everything there you ain't see nothing here's... in there but you don't have no business being in there so stay out <laughs> Yeah, and that's where he gets real stern too. And um, also, I, I fucking love here that cut <laughs> is they're they're discussing that at the table, and then the the cut's been tight on the two of them. And when we come out, um, all the knives are positioned over Danny's head, pointing down at him. <laughs> it's just it's he he's I don't want to again I don't want to go way into the weeds with this stuff, but he's just. It's a lot of the stuff I kind of talked about in like the DePalma episode. He's he's the master of it. He's a he's a photographer first and foremost. Um, but he, we start to get some inkling that Jack is not being able to write, and he's getting kind of angrier and angrier. Uh, Danny is riding his little tricycle around the hotel, and he's already seen the 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 twins. I put in quotes uh, a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ends up like a one. Yeah. Um, ends up eventually seeing them on one of his bike rides. Um, play with us forever and ever. And the flashing between them standing and the, the corpses in the hallway. Yeah. It's, it's so, so fucking good. <laughs> um, something else, the, the, the sound design. Um, I really like the, the tricycle rides. Yes, like, going over the hardwood onto the carpets. Yeah. yeah. That was like one of the first parts that really like, oh shit, he there's there's something special going on here. <laughs> um, the steady cam was very new, so they could do he could do show offy stuff like this and like the maze that you couldn't do before. Right. Um, like the, the 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 way that you're able to be in a maze and kind of frantically follow somebody and not lose them and not have to have a crane or a dolly. It's yeah. Like, he took advantage of it. He knew, he knew what to do. Um. <laughs> But uh, basically, the, 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 they get snowed in, and more disagreements between the family as he's getting like more and more unhinged, and Jack kind of starts to see some stuff too. He gets uh, into an, an argument with with Wendy and starts uh, sees sees the ghost of the bartender, uh, sees Lloyd. <laughs> That's uh, that is when after Danny gets is that after Danny gets attacked first time the, the second time is is, okay. is um the first time is uh bu- 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 I can't remember what happens right before it 
Um, oh, Danny. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm going through back the notes because there's the two scenes there. No, you're right. It is the first time is after he goes to two, room two three seven. So he okay. starts to see it then. Um, but we are already starting to see Jack echo some of the ghost stuff a little bit because <laughs> he's he at this point has already uh, told Danny who's like scared of him in the apartment that they're living in that he loves the, the hotel and he he hopes they can stay there forever and ever. <laughs> I, did, I did catch that, yeah. Uh, of note, we don't see how that scene ends. <laughs> we don't. We don't know what happens next. Um, it's Danny a very gets a fire truck and goes back downstairs to be with mom. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we, yeah, we get the his his being led into room two three seven again. Another very famous thing in this movie: the, the ball getting rolled to him. Yeah, on that, on that carpet pattern. Um, yeah, yeah. Did you notice that the carpet pattern flips when he stands up? <laughs> No, why would I? Why would I notice that? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the shit that people pick up on, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, he goes into room 237. We don't also don't see what Danny sees in room 237. He just goes in there. <laughs> yeah, we don't uh, see anything from him until he comes walking into the, the lounge and has his shirt like, and like, a, bru- like a mark ripped and bruises on his neck and he's sucking on his thumb. Yeah, and he kind of goes quiet. From from this point on, um, in kind of a catatonic state. Right. Uh, basically, we don't hear from Danny anymore until basically the end of the movie, right? <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's Tony from then on. <laughs> Tony and Shining. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he eventually kind of starts drinking with a ghost and then meets another ghost, meets the the butler. Um, Jack meets Delbert Greedy, notably not not Charles Greedy. Um, who kind of offers him a a solution? <laughs> no, it's he just gives him some advice. He, you're they're misbehaving. You have to correct it. Talk to them. <laughs> Apparently, they decided to do this in a Target bathroom. By the way, it's um. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real. Uh, it was kind of really jarring. I thought like the instant this scene started because he you know he walks down the hallway and you can see like all the decorations are up and. Yeah. And he's going into the big party room and he goes in the party. And yeah, the party's in full swing. There's like 300 people in here and they're all dressed in 1920s uh, clothes. Like the girls have the little headbands with the feathers on them and everybody's yeah. smoking. Um, and then well, gets, that could also be a 1970s party. <laughs> 1980s party, too. Fair. Um, he gets something. The, the butler knocks into him and spills some stuff. So they go into the bathroom to get it cleaned up. And we go immediately from that really kind of classic chic uh, party outside to this really stark bright red and white bathroom that looks completely different i was co- utterly flabbergasted when that butler followed him in there i thought we were for sure gonna see that he was like talking to himself or something oh got it or did you think maybe you were gonna see like the the later famous scene with the the, the guy in the in the bear costume <laughs> no i <laughs> i knew that was gonna be in a room <laughs> Not in a bathroom. <laughs> I think we did, in the interest of kind of blazing through the story, we did, we did skip a couple things here. The um, this is after Jack has already gone into room two three seven two, and he encounters the, the the beautiful naked woman in there who gets out of the bathtub, who changes as he's making out with her um, into the the old decaying hag. Um, this was then, something that I I had no inkling of going into this movie. <laughs> They didn't do this on The Simpsons, are you sure? <laughs> well, there was 
there was quite a bit of nudity in this movie. I mean, not not a ton, but there was there was nudity in this movie that I wasn't expecting. Well, there's something you also didn't notice. So... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Who knows how much nudity is in this movie? Not me. Um, but I think there's a lot of really interesting dialogue too in, in some of these um, scenes that Wendy and Jack are having together, where it's like. There's so much of this resentment boiling over in this entitlement. And like, I'm not going to let you fuck this up for me. I'm not going to yeah, be back washing cars. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, you fucked up my life so far, but I'm not going to let you fuck this up. <laughs> um, but getting back to after the the, the, the talk with, with Grady, um, that's when that's when uh, Wendy sees what he's writing. <laughs> um, the The all work and no play. Makes Jack a dull boy. Right. Entire stack, hand-typed, shot again in every language with a proper idiom that this movie was released in. So when I say Stanley Kubrick's level of detail, <laughs> there's a... Maybe there's something to this conspiracy nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I One of the, the lines I really hone in on this, and, and kind of my take on this i don't have like a this is uh, about native americans or the moon landing or whatever mm-hmm. um but i do think even subconsciously this is sort of a um it's a little bit of a statement about kind of patriarchal con- control and, and entitlement and um the, the fact that jack is specifically talking to wendy as she's got the bat about how he has a contract an obligation <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of discussion about have do you do you have any do you ever give any thought to what my responsibilities are? Yeah, and it's like it's like, bro, you're in a marriage. <laughs> that is also a contract you signed. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's this it's this this guy who feels like he's supposed to be great and in control, not getting the things that he wants that he feels he's entitled to. Um. And then the the greatest baseball bat hit in cinematic history, just a real corker. <laughs> this uh, I, I, again, I think people make fun of her for this scene. I think this is this is I buy this character, and this is what that character would do. <laughs> I I feel like this was some of the strongest stuff from her in the movie, even without having you know you influencing me about her previous performance. Yeah, but you know she's she's they're like oh she's not even holding the the baseball bat right it's like she's trying to save her son <laughs> right. from her she, husband she was not terrified. intending to go down there and hit him with a baseball bat <laughs> that wasn't the game plan yeah people people just have this I, I feel like sometimes folks watch movies and don't get me wrong there's plenty of shit in horror movies where like you know the, the scream stuff people going up the stairs instead of out the door or whatever. But I think there's other times that people are just like, oh, this guy was attacking me. I just fucking punch him in the throat and cry to kick him in the nuts. And it's like, yeah, here's a little really, secret. really. Here's a little secret. I'm not the Rock, and most <laughs> women aren't Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> and it's like, or like zombie. Oh yeah. It's, well, sure enough, like once my if my dad dies and turns into a zombie, he comes at me, I just shoot him in the head. Yeah, like, really? Like Would that. you know? <laughs> well, there's not going to be any, um, you know any mental trauma, any, any <laughs> of, nothing going on in your head. You just, just flip the switch just like that, huh? 
I think people just have this idea, like, well, if I was in a horror movie, I'd know I was in a horror movie. <laughs> um, so the the folks that do not think anything supernatural in this movie happens have, have to do some contortions because um, Wendy drags Jack into the into the pantry and locks him in there. Yeah, something, uh, something definitely unlocks that door and lets him out. Yeah, because he has a conversation with Grady and something lets him out. They're like, oh, old, old Danny does it. It's like, oh, really? Okay. That's it's a, it's a read guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like, I like a lot of this stuff, too. Again, kind of this, like, domestic abuse, abuser angle thing where it, it, he's he's trying to turn on the charm after he's been, he's had his ass kicked. <laughs> right, yeah. I'll just forget this whole thing ever happened. <laughs> I'm hurt real bad. And I'm just like giggling about it. Like, oh, she, that, that dummy's going to fall for this one again. I'm um, dizzy. <laughs> I need a doctor. Um, so I, I, I would be remiss because this is the thing you actually texted me about. We did skip over a little bit that uh, Danny shines to Dick Halloran, um, which... I, the, so the thing that's consumed my my idiot brain all week has been um, – so I've been trying to write jokes for this, and it's, I was struggling because there was one joke. That's all you need. That, that, that was at my forefront of my mind is um, if you ever find yourself in the situation where you're wanting to hit on somebody who you know, knows about The Shining and there happens to be like a pile of gold or a, a – a nautically themed chest laying about. You can use the following pickup line. Uh, is that Scatman Crothers in your treasure chest? Because your booty has my dick hollering. I'm... There are no words. <laughs> they should have sent a poet. Do you, um, do you expect me to, I, to follow that? Or how do I continue <laughs> the podcast now? So you continue the podcast because the thing we need to talk about next is the interior decorating choices of Scatman Crothers. Oh, Scatman Scat Crothers can decorate my house any day. <laughs> the man has a, a line that he rides pretty hard, and uh, I, I can't say that I'm not a fan. What I what I what I love about this transition is that basically the only thing we've seen him doing so far is be like a good guy to a little kid, just like the sweetest old man. <laughs> to a little boy who's scared. <laughs> Jump cut to uh, him lounging, watching the weather report roll in, that, that the blizzard has come in, and as they're, they're snowed in up at the overlook, um, as he has the dueling, like, Nubian goddesses in the nude velvet paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Huge afros, breasts on display, not a stitch <laughs> to be had between the two of them. I love one over he's got the bed, the... one over the TV. So whatever way you're looking, you're seeing it. <laughs> I imagine him just putting up the one and then turning around and going like, "This is wrong." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have balance. The feng shui is all all fucked up. Danny shines to him, and he he recognizes the danger and and flies out, and we we get these interspliced montage sequences basically of him like um in counterpoint to what's going on at the hotel making his way back right uh, a lot of a lot of pressure here like because you you get the sense that he he's trying to get there as quickly as he can because he realizes things are coming to a head and he's 
yeah. far away. <laughs> it's going to take him, you know, hours to get there by plane and then hours more to get there once he actually hits and, on the ground because it's so remote. Yeah, and, and at, time. at this point, all communications cut off. We know that um, the place is not a ski resort because the the roads freeze over and it's it's impossible to keep it clear. Uh, they already lost their phones just from the blizzard, and they basically were told that their phones just are basically just going to be gone until um, yeah. in, until the thaw, and that um, they have a radio and they have a snowcat to to escape. But at this point, Jack's already disabled both of those after after, after getting at his angriest. Um, so Halloran basically serves as kind of the uh, saving the day by being a distraction um, after Wendy w- wakes up because Danny is Brad Rom. Brad Rom. <laughs> Brad Rom. Brad Rom. Um, <laughs> Just slipped into Cartman there a little bit. <laughs> the pre, the proto Cartman. Um, <laughs> so did, did you know the reveal on Red Rom or was it just using the first? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that wouldn't have been difficult to figure out even if I hadn't known it already. Yeah, it's not it's not the hardest one in the world. I'm just I'm just curious that yeah. another way to use the mirror, I guess. There's right in this movie. Um, the uh, <laughs> the the three one liners as he comes in, including the very famous here's like the the poster like, image. Yeah, the one. <laughs> yeah, that the the most famous line in the movie. Um, so they're they're separated. Danny's able to escape out the window um, to go outside. Wendy can't fit through. Uh, Jack's coming in, which th- these doors they had to they built prop doors, but Jack Nicholson actually was like a fireman at one point and was just like shredding through the prop doors, like, right. like get real doors. <laughs> <laughs> this is not gonna work. Not too good. <laughs> um, she she's able to slice his hand and he realizes that somebody has come there. Um, so it gives her a chance to escape. Yeah, they can hear the snowcat pulling up. Yes. Um, so, again, if, if you've seen the Simpsons episode, you know what happens to, to Groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> yeah, I was, I mean, I was kind of, <laughs> I I almost didn't expect it even half after having seen the, the Simpsons episode, because yeah. I didn't see how um, how Jack could sneak up on him. Because <laughs> he was already gimpy, and every step you take in this hotel makes so much noise. Yeah, it was the the advantage he has is he hears him calling out, so he's able to lie in wait. Yes. And he knows when he's coming, he comes out, and it's a very sudden, I think it's a good jump scare. He just pops out and axes him right in the heart. Yeah. Um, works works pretty well. Um, yep. So he's pursuing, he's pursuing Danny at this point. So we're getting the intercut of... Um, Jack pursuing Danny through the 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 maze, um, and and Danny kind of figuring out how he's gonna survive that, with Wendy finally being exposed to what's going all, on here, all the supernatural shit at the hotel, um, including like the spirit Halloween room that she goes into that I I fucking giggle at like this this movie doesn't have a lot of laughs for me but when she goes into the room it's all like skeletons. <laughs> He is making the definitive horror film, and do you think you can make a definitive horror film without cobwebs and skeletons? <laughs> I love it. It's, just like the, it's the same music sting as the other shit she sees, which is like legitimately disturbing. 
<laughs> she sees Dick's corpse. She sees the she sees the elevators of blood. She sees like the party guest with the with the split head. Yeah. Uh, she, she, they did yeah. forget that there was the furry convention book there, so they yeah. <laughs> that was like an honest thing to just kind of stumble <laughs> into. <laughs> there, are, there are questions. <laughs> it is addressed in the book apparently, but that is it's 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 an image in this movie that if you don't have that reference point and you don't know like what's going on with like the ghosts, it's just a guy in a bear suit, bare ass, blowing another dude. <laughs> so so this is. You're saying this is the the equivalent of like like a, a nerd in a Marvel movie picking up on the reference that's like on a newspaper that's just laying down somewhere. You <laughs> gotta have this guy in the next one. <laughs> They're sowing the seeds for the butt fucked bearverse. Like <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read the book. I don't know how much the I know it's there. The FBU. <laughs> um so the uh, we have the, um, the the maze sequence, which I, I did you know the resolution of this? Did you know kind of how the how Danny's able to to save himself? I did not. I was I will say that I was a hundred percent impressed with with this little boy throughout the entire movie. Oh, Danny Lloyd is is great in this, and this is like he kind of stops acting after this. Um, he did it, <laughs> but he was not aware at all what sort of movie they were making. <laughs> I one of the things that people do, even the people who rag on on Kubrick for how he he, he treated Shelley Duvall, which I I count myself among those people, mm-hmm. uh, by all accounts was a delight for Danny Lloyd to work with. Was <laughs> was could not have been kinder to him. <laughs> but wow. <laughs> I mean, I understand, and I think I even, I've even heard that that's kind of like how you kind of work with child actors in this type of film, but I don't understand how you could yeah. so, hide that completely. So the, the one scene I know is is a dummy, because they didn't want him here there when they were recording it, is when, when he gets hurt, mm-hmm. and he comes into the room, and Wendy picks him up. It looks like she's holding a fucking My Buddy doll because she is. She's just holding like this limp mannequin that's not right. moving at all. Which it kind of works because they establish that he's like shell shell shocked. Yeah, he's almost catatonic at that point. So it, that's that's just a, the fucking <laughs> she's carrying around a pillowcase with a head on it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you, if you know that when you watch the scene, you can see his little arm just kind of like dangling and swinging as she moves. <laughs> it's very it's it's very apparent on rewatch. Um, but the that's not quite where we we end things off. We have, we had the maze and he's able to backtrace his footsteps and cover up that he um, like went off on a side path so that yeah. to, to Jack who's following him through the snow he just disappears and he's he's ranting mad anyway so he he can't really think through it and Danny just waits until his dad's gone and follows his footsteps back out the other way. Um, yeah, this I thought was really um, really effective. For me, because it shows Danny, you know, using his brains and cleverly following his footsteps back out while Jack has gone deeper and deeper into the maze. And we've already established this place, This is a huge maze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's not dressed for the weather whatsoever. Like the further he gets in, the harder it's going to be for him to get back out. And he yeah, just and he does not have time to do so. Puffing and puffing already injured. He's just he's. Yeah, so we get that hard cut after they escape to his like 
corpse in the cold. The funniest part of the movie. (laughs) I'll I'll give you like maybe a number two after the, uh, I don't know, the, 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 the reveal on the, on Dick Halloran's house is great. Uh, and, and the, and the, and the party city ghosts are up there too, but yes, this is, this is up there. Um, there's some there's, real uh, fucking revenge of the nerd shit. Like you would expect to see the bullies if they've been locked in a freezer. <laughs> um, so there's that, the last thing too, that sort of establishes this whole like, um, reincarnation idea. Cause there was this, the, the, the Grady that, Jack meets at the beginning is is a different name and doesn't know anything about the Grady of the that that was the murderer um, or at least acts like he doesn't. So is there's is that s- what's going on here that there's like a a cycle of people who keep getting drawn to this place and doing bad things? It's Kubrick said he was going for like a reincarnation thing that this is that he he was the caretaker before and and it, it got reincarnated back into this role. Okay. Um. I think it's another one of those things though that's just just vague enough about this movie that people project shit onto it. <laughs> and um, this is this is like one of the things I was like I, I I want like I know there's sometimes you know the mystery can be kind of the point, but this is the thing like I want to know more. Yeah, I think you would probably be better from everything I've read about the book. Um, you'd probably be better served with the book in some ways because I, I think that is more aligned with at least from doing the podcast so far with kind of sure. what you're seeking from story and from a, from a movie where it kind of does go into a lot of the, the history of it. And just, and the fact that this really is a, a bad place and not just bad people in a place looking at pictures in a book. Um, right. It's a place actively trying to corrupt them and, and pull them down like good people and ruin them. I, um, I'm thinking I'm going to add that to the list. <laughs> I don't know when I'll get around to actually reading it, but it's definitely, I, I've heard good things. I've heard good things about the book. I, again, the miniseries that's based more closely on the book wasn't good, but it was also a TV miniseries, and there was a lot of like late 90s CGI in it. Right. And I like Steven Weber, but I think Steven Weber has the opposite problem that Jack Nicholson has, where it's like, I buy him as the nice guy. I do not buy him as as the guy losing his shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's not awful there was a few other stephen king adaptations where the same like like the langoliers was was like stone cold unwatchably awful but um like this this is not that bad but i also don't think it's as good as like the it miniseries or like the stand one even as silly as the stand one is um i think i watched that actually <laughs> oh i watched book? it as as, it? as it was aired did you did you read the book before it aired yeah oh wow yeah so you were really young when you read the stand yeah like i said i i don't think i've got <laughs> much out of it but i was at look i liked to read when i was a kid and i read anything that i could get my hands on (laughs) um i mean i can talk more about like technical shit in this movie all day long is there is there specific stuff you kind of wanted to go back to um after we kind of talked through the story in in a more limited capacity than we normally do we weren't zooming in as much relatively restrained this time around um let me think here no i think uh we hit dick halloran can decorate my house (laughs) what did you think about the interview stuff and like the the tour guide stuff like the, the 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 hotel um so one of the other things that people zoom in on is just how much the guy that gets brought in who's like the other caretaker 
looks like he just does not want to fucking be there. <laughs> the guy who's like, oh, bring in, bring in Stu Ullman. Like he, he'll, he'll need to sit in on this. And he just like blinkingly stares at, at Jack Nicholson the whole time he's talking <laughs> without contributing anything. I, you know, I don't, I guess I didn't pick up on that. It, it did seem kind of weird that they would like kind of feed him the story of the tragedy at the hotel when they're giving him the, like the job. I'm not sure why <laughs> that had She's a confirmed horror film addict. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I, I think I've mounted my, my, my defense of Shelley Duvall enough and I, I, that might serve as a spoiler into where we're going to transition here pretty soon. <laughs> um, I think, I think the other thing that I noticed about the interview stuff is like, they were in a real rush to get this done and, and, and squared away. Like they, they weren't uh, a yeah. real, they weren't real uh, keen on, on showing him the ropes and kind of making sure he understood what was going on. It was like, here's the once over, uh, you'll figure it out. That was really driven home with the, uh, you guys know how to drive a car, right? Yeah. Snowcat's basically a car. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Which is like, that's their lifeline if things go bad. <laughs> Later skaters. <laughs> yeah, like they they could seem like they couldn't have give two shits. Oh man, it's our last day. It's it, it's it's the last day of school thing, man. They're just they're... Everybody's in a rush to get home. <laughs> <laughs> I I love the um when they bring in the luggage. It's just like they they drove up in a VW bug. And they're like, well, there's all of our things. And it's like a, a pile of luggage the size of a VW. Oh, right, the, the size of the car. Where did they have that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. I uh, love that, like, that... I don't want to get too deep into it once again. I, I kind of want to transition out, but the, the, the transition shots, how they work, where it's um, real slow fades between things. So you get this, like, interconnectivity between scenes where you kind of have like Jack fading out and the kids fading in. So you have this moment where kind of they're both on the screen. Like, right. It's, it's, it's some pretty, um, pretty staggering. stuff. Amazingly enough, this movie was panned when it came out. I mentioned that Michelle Duvall got nominated for a Razzie people. Like it was reappraised like a couple of years later. Like it was for the most part, critics did not like this and then, crazy to me do, do you think like maybe it was just like had too much like a like a ahead of its time well, thing going on i like i could that's more i get that more than the actual reviews which was just like well here comes kubrick and he even he can't dust off the moldy scares of the haunted house movie like, like, but that's not really what this is. I mean, maybe the book <laughs> was, but that's not this. Yeah, this is just so unrelenting. It's just, and, and it's, everything comes together to just kind of maintain this this mood. And I know you kind of said you didn't, I, I guess scared might be the wrong word, but I, I think right. even not picking up on the subliminal stuff, there's, like, there's an inherent wrongness in this movie. There's like, things don't feel right. It's it's things are at the wrong angle or it's like that people are in the wrong place. It's it's just it feels off. Right. I I think I definitely picked up on that. 
maybe it was just it's hard for me to say that this movie um I don't know how to say it. Like he used, I think he used the term "disquieted me" earlier, or something to those that effect. Yeah. Like I, I picked up on all this stuff, but it didn't. It wasn't to the point where I was like, "Oh, I don't think I can watch this anymore." <laughs> yeah, and I, I again, maybe we're kind of getting up onto the sales floor here a, a little bit. Is that um, I find this is a movie. There are movies that I've loved that I see, I've seen several times, and when I think about them. I can recall like a scene or two or like maybe I, I know the basic story, but it's like mm-hmm. rewatching it decades later. I, I feel like it's almost like seeing it again for the first time in some ways. Um, the shining is one of those movies that from the moment I saw it, there are certain scenes that are just like burned into my mind, like with crystal clarity. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's, you don't get there on accident. And as many like, horror movies that I've seen in the years since. Like, I, I think there are just, there are things done here that are just unique. It's, it's, there's, there's not really anything else like it. Um, and it, it, it is, I, I think this is also kind of what keeps people coming back to this. Why there's so much right YouTube video stuff is that it, he makes it so well, it hits something so primal that it just kind of, it doesn't leave people. So they feel like there has to be something more there. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I can see this being a movie that would build upon itself if you watched it more than once. Yeah, and, and as, as much as I feel like a lot of stuff's projection and craziness and like, oh, like he's wearing that Apollo shirt because Kubrick's trying to confess that he staged the, the moon landing. Um, that is other fishy. <laughs> Well, Apollo shirt, why didn't you mention that? Um, <laughs> there's other stuff that's like a, a crazed level of detail that you like how many two, threes and sevens appear in this movie? How many things are aligned in that way? Like the staircase is like three sets of stairs that are like uh, a doubles on the side and sevens each. And the, the way that like the cups are lined up are all like twos and threes and sevens. Like it's stacks three high, two rows deep, seven across. Like, it's this kind of I I don't know if, if that precise thing is the thing that hits you, but somebody caring about that precise thing and and it's kind of like what people talk about like Wes Anderson movies. Like they're very picaresque how it's everything is is like a uh, like a, a model or <laughs> like a diorama that right every single visual component has some sort of meaning to it because a a madman touched it. (laughs) (laughs) Every frame of painting, Josh. (laughs) But I I feel that's true here. I really do. I think that's, it's, um, even if, if we don't think the same things about it, we can tell he did. He thought about it. (laughs) Someone did. (laughs) Someone still is. Apparently. Um, so, so I, I think I have a general idea of where, this one landed for you. I, I, I often do in the course of our conversations, but sure. um, why don't you, why don't you hit me with big picture? What do you, what do you think overall? Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I was uh, hiding it too much. I kind of um, loved this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty remarkable. There's not a lot of movies that I can say that, you know, I would 
think about watching again. Um, like I kind of get what I get out of it the first time and I don't really need to go back to it. Uh, but I could, I could see myself watching this again. Yeah, it's, it's and um, definitely, definitely finding like dig a little more into the, like the background and seeing some of these things that I did not pick up on, on my first watch. <laughs> but I also think it, it functions beyond that. It functions. I, if it was just that stuff, it wouldn't be the movie that it is. It, it also just functions as a story. It functions as a roller coaster ride, getting you from point A to point B. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think. Um, so it, Stanley Kubrick has a, a quote. We talked about like filmmaking is basically the two things he looks for in, in order of importance are, is it true? And is it interesting? And I think if you're trying to keep your message clear along those two axes, um, you can kind of go a field into theory and a field into like hiding weird textures and stuff into your movie, but you've always got to be answering those two questions. If that's, yeah. if that's your philosophy. And I think you have to answer that, those questions for as many people as you can. I think it, it fucking does that phenomenally. <laughs> I think one of the things that stands out in this movie for me is I, it's interesting, obviously, and whether or not the story is true, which probably is not true. Uh, <laughs> characters felt true to me. Like the, the characters, felt like real people yeah yeah and again um that's I, that's a, a segue right into this uh this this crispy award that i've got sitting here a crispin glover award for acting excellence um most of this movie it's it's just the family that's there yeah. again i i don't want to say that uh the, the small parts are, are not important because I, I think they're they are i Really do love Scatman Crothers in this movie. Stick Haller and he's, he's yeah, great. yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the praise in this movie goes to Jack Nicholson, deservedly so, because he goes fucking nuts in the way that only Jack Nicholson can go. Oh, I think um, I I kind of completely bought in by the end of the movie, like him stalking Danny through the maze at the end. You were talking about scenes that'll stick with you. I think him like kind of half staggering, hunched over from the cold gripping the axe and screaming out Danny as he chases him down. Like you can't run from me. I'm going, I'm right behind you is something that probably will stick with me a little bit. Yeah. Again, I think it's also one of those things that's just still terrifies me about this. I know we've talked in the past about certain movies, like hitting us differently yeah. when we're um, as, as a older person and a parent mm-hmm. um, that, that just the idea of this is so much more terrifying you see as a kid and you have danny's point of view and then you see it as an adult and you see the betrayal of trust and just right. how reprehensible like what, any what Jack's empathy doing i had for that character is <laughs> gone because i cannot wrap my head around a situation that would make me do the same yeah but it's it's a it's a fascinating ride to get there in this yes movie. um but as I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue. I, I think my defense of Shelley Duvall is award worthy. I think she plays a character type who's a real person that you don't see a lot of in movies. I think people get hung up on the fact that it's kind of an annoying performance there, but it's it's I think there are annoying people in the world. Even uh, if you didn't like it, to to have it be like a Razzie nominator, Razzie award winning, I think is is a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's I not think... actively bad. And I think people like were were ragging on her for this. This came out like right around the same time as Popeye, and it's like, oh, she's just another olive oil character. And it's like, okay, do I get that she kind of looks and seems like she's dressed like librarian American girl doll? Yes, I, I 
I understand that. Um, is she like high strung? Is she like always kind of taking the same tone, but it's a, it's a carefully considered and guarded tone because she lives with somebody who's going to fuck her up if, if she steps out of line and she's seeing that person unravel and kind of, I think she discovers herself. I think her, her turn, like in the bathroom, stabbing at his hand when she finds it. And just the fact that I think she's, she's one of those people who's way more capable than they think they are. And we discussed she's fucking running the show. <laughs> he's not doing yeah. shit. Yeah, he's <laughs> just he's... feeling a little confident at this point. <laughs> and like one thing, they, they talk about the isolation and the cabin fever, and you see all that building on him. It's not like she has a lifeline either. It's like they're she and Danny are dealing with this thing that he can't deal with. They're um, dealing with him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> with him on top of it. Um, I, I think her performance is, is absolutely phenomenal, and I think it's. Um, Maybe if there was no context around this and I was just giving it to the craziest performance, I would give it to Jack Nicholson's. But I, I think, again, I said earlier, this movie doesn't work without her. And and I think um, it's it's a travesty how she was treated for this performance. So uh, this, is a, this is a, you know, call me social justice, Josh. But it's, it's my... Is this a makeup award? <laughs> but I think it's a truly phenomenal performance. I think it's 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 great in the degree to which it was appraised versus which where i think it deserves to be is the bigger gulf <laughs> is that what the crispy is though josh come on <laughs> well, is, that what we're, is that where we're going to now first and foremost is my fucking word <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right all um, right but okay so let's let's talk a little bit about next time and uh if if you were afraid that steph timber was was only confined to the month of September, you are you are sadly mistaken because we're gonna Shit. do <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna keep this train rolling. We're gonna do something that we've never done on the show before. We're gonna do a movie and then immediately do its sequel. Um, we're gonna do Doctor Sleep from 2019, starring uh, Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson. Um, I I The Shining might be like a a, a lock for you know my all timer list for me. I think Dr. Sleep does it a phenomenal service. And it also serves as a, a sequel to the, to the movie and also fits in with, with a, as, as a quality Stephen King adaptation. It doesn't lose out the things that Kubrick kind of has that disconnect with. I think so it feels like Stephen King and abs- actually fucking excellent. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. And it, I think it's a, yeah. I remember this coming out and I don't remember hearing anything about it <laughs> you you should have because it's it's it at the very least it has Fuck you, i didn't <laughs> i'm just saying because i don't think that's a unique reaction i think there there are um it didn't make a lot of waves except like yeah outside of the people who like were really passionate about it um and i am i am one of those people because i think um rebecca ferguson's turn in this too it, the whole thing is just it's just great but um can't wait to talk to you about that we'll do that for next time um awesome. So yeah, let's let's do some uh, business here. Um, reach on out to us. Uh, we are on Twitter at Scream Selling. We have the the Facebook group, the Selling the Scream. Um, our email is just Selling the Scream at Gmail. Um, we'd love to hear from from folks. Um, if you have it in your heart, uh, please. Uh, give us a rating or review on the podcatcher of your choice. Um, iTunes drives the most traffic. So um, that's kind of where it's most appreciated. Um, looks here. Um, 
this is weird that the iOS stuff this time is um, specifically addressed to you. And it says um, if, if, if a bad review is left, that Jed, maybe you should give them a talking to. Oh, you think they need some correction? <laughs> it's from the management. They don't they don't think uh, you can get the job done. <laughs> well, I I promise. Just give me another chance. <laughs> you won't yeah. be disappointed. <laughs> um, yeah, I look forward to doing the next one. Uh, I will talk to you uh, when we do it then. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, thank you.